What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite podcast where we dive into all the movie, TV, and entertainment news that happened over the past week. As always, we are your two hosts. My name is Josh. And my name is Willis. And uh, what have you been consuming over the past week for content there, Willis? So I've got a couple things here. Uh, both are movies this week, which is exciting. Ooh, let's um, go. Yeah. So the first one, um, I watched a movie this past weekend called Flea. Yeah. Up for quite a number of Academy Awards this season. Um, and it is well-deserved. It is a... Um, a really heartfelt connection that like kind of, you know, like a lot of documentaries, you kind of get like bogged down. It's just like the, and this is yeah. like heavy. It's about um, a guy who fled Afghanistan to Russia and then eventually to, I believe it was Sweden. Um, so like really heavy story, but like really beautifully done. It whole thing is animated um, and like mm-hmm. well thought out really really nice worth worth the watch it's on uh, a bunch of stuff uh at this point um i think hulu i think hulu is where i watched it yeah yeah um, also on amazon if you you know want to pay for it or whatever yeah um yeah worth worth the watch uh, worth all the nominations yeah i'll be interested to see. well it's interesting because and i won't talk too much but like the animation is i don't want to say like rudiment it's like it's not fully realized animation there it's you know maybe Mm. a lot of it is like you know eight or ten frames per second kind of like it's yeah you know very page page so it's not like you couldn't compare the animation to something like ray and the last dragon or something like that but like gotcha arguably more thoughtfully executed um yeah and yeah like definitely if you're looking at it from a story point of view like yeah, you know, knocks out the park. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, the second movie that I'm recommending this week is one that I just kind of offhandedly watched um, last weekend with my wife, and it is a movie called Boiling Point. Oh, okay. Have you heard of this? It stars not, no. uh, Stephen Graham, who is one of those actors like that you, you'd know his face if you saw it. Um, he's one of those guys that just kind of shows up on everything. Um, gotcha. Detective Mulligan in Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I don't know if that'll... Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, It's uh, a story about a head chef in his restaurant. But the crazy thing is the whole thing is one shot. Oh, one of those. Okay. It's it's 92 minutes long and it's it so perfectly captures what it's like to work in a kitchen. Okay. It's like, you know, where... (sighs) And, you know, I don't know who who here amongst our listeners uh, has worked in a kitchen, but like there's that, you know, just constant like I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And it like the fact that it's one shot plays beautifully into the actual story. It's not like gimmicky. Um, Okay. And the tension in it is crazy. There's like one thing that you notice at the front that just becomes like a a ticking time bomb through the whole thing that you're just like, when is this going to? Oh God. Like a gun in the first act kind of thing. Totally. totally. Um, but really, really, really well done. Really worth watching. It's on, uh, HBO max. I, or, hold on. Wait, it looks like Amazon. I really should look this stuff up before it may have been. Yeah, you're right. It was Amazon that I watched it on. So it's two for two list. that I'm wrong. 
it's okay. <laughs> um, uh, is it is it um without giving too much away? Is it like quote unquote supposed to be in real time, or is it like kind of like Birdman? No, absolutely. It's it's all. Oh. It's all in one time. It's it it follows the head chef uh, as he kind of goes around the different things happening in his restaurant, and it doesn't stay always with him. It goes to like the pastry chef. It goes to the bartender. It goes to the waitresses. You know, kind of moves around. Okay, all right. But man, it's it's tense. It's like not quite to the like uncut gems level of tense, but not far off not far from there i gotcha so oh geez okay that sounds yeah it sounds yeah. really stressful to watch but i'm i'm here for it i'm here for it yeah you forget that it's all one shot pretty quick in and then it yeah comes back in every now and then you're like fuck i can't believe it's <laughs> oh, still crap. yeah um, that's awesome so wow that's my two uh boiling point and flea nice nice very grounded there that's good yeah. i like that i like that um, my two are not grounded in the slightest. Uh, the first one is I started our flag means death on mm-hmm. HBO. I watched the first episode. It's, it's good. I think it needs to find its footing a little bit, yeah. um, which I haven't gone further than that. So it might get its legs eventually. Um, get but it was, <laughs> get it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but like the performances are all really good. The story is clever and it's really funny and it's well executed. I just think that there's something missing and I don't know exactly what it is yeah. yet. Maybe just like a center point or, or I, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. And I haven't seen really, I, th- I've watched a couple episodes too. And I, I agree. And I think it's one of those. It's like, we're in that awkward, like we have to tell you who all these characters are phase yeah. and the real hilarity is going to show up when it's just like, here's this character right and how they're interacting like that you already know and now they're in fun new crazy situations which is like taika's jam oh a hundred percent it's one of those like very character-based shows so you once you once you get a handle on the characters but uh like surprising number of people in this like you and bremner i was like i didn't realize he was in this but i'm like this is incredible i haven't seen him in forever <laughs> i'm like this is incredible this this works perfectly yeah. um so i'll keep i'll continue watching it but i'm i have high hopes i have high yeah. hopes because it's really well made i just need to i just need a little bit more yeah. um so that's my first piece of content i believe that's also on hbo max yes uh second piece of content was i went and i saw the batman this weekend in imax and dun 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 Oh boy, what a movie. I'm not going to say much about it because I think everyone should just go in with whatever notions they have now. Don't let me like kind of sway you one way or another. Uh, the two things I do want to say is one, on the first watch, to me, it didn't feel like three hours. Like it was one of those, it just kind of kept ask. rolling. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens on rewatch. That's with, with long movies like this, it doesn't matter how good it is. They, they can sometimes drag if we're hitting that three-hour mark Yeah, because it's hard to fill three hours with a lot of meaningful content. So I'll be interested to see what happens there. Um, the other thing is I really, I'm glad I saw this in an IMAX theater because the sound and the visuals are like striking. They're really striking. Yeah. Um, 
and it's <laughs> it's one that benefits from having a loud speaker like pretty close to your face especially when the score like pulls in and you get some cool needle drops it's it's something that yeah i would say sitting in a theater it was worthwhile for me yeah. um the only other thing i want to say about the movie is there's one shot and i'm sure that as soon as you watch the movie willis you're you'll understand what shot this is but it happens mm-hmm. within the first i want to say five minutes of the movie and it perfectly sets the tone for the rest of the movie in a way that i haven't felt in a movie theater in a long time because you know credits roll or title credits start movie kind of starts people are like they're paying attention but it's a superhero movie quote unquote so some mm-hmm. people are like whispering to each other and other people are just like on their phones and whatnot this one shot hits the screen silence and and complete stillness in the whole theater and i heard a guy like seven rows up just go oh fuck and then it was silence for the rest of the for the entire rest of the movie. I was like that, <laughs> Matt Reeves, right. man, he did something really special here. Um, and it, <laughs> yeah, it just it's a movie that doesn't feel like it is bogged down by the, I don't know how many DCEU movies that came before sure. it or, or Marvel movies. It feels like it's its own thing. He didn't think about that stuff at all, uh, and it's really interesting, man. So I would I would encourage people to go out and see it. It's it's definitely something to watch. Um, cool so yeah those are my two pieces of content and let us get into the episode here yes uh so this week we are going to be talking about the batman as i just mentioned and a lot of the different um i don't want to say controversy controversies but interesting information that has come out about ticket pricing as well as how well it fared in the box office in the time of the like dropping pandemic i should say um so interesting stuff going on with that we're also going to be talking about an advocacy group called missing movies i'm correct about that right yes um that is advocating for bringing lost or like thought to be lost films back from the dead because there are a lot of older films that just are not available at all whether that's for licensing reasons or they've just been completely lost and nobody's trying to find them except for this one group. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And at the end, we're going to wrap it all up at talking about the Academy Awards drama that we covered last week when they cut eight categories. Yes. Um, and more information has surfaced about that. Some yeah. really interesting stuff about ABC, about some of the Academy members. So we're going to dive all the way into that at the end. Um, so, Yeah. Let's just get started here and uh, talk about the Batman. Let's do it. The freaking Batman. So how did you think this movie was going to perform before it came out? Like, did you think this was going to not flop, but not be quite as successful as other larger tent poles that happened in 2021? Call out the numbers. What did it do this past weekend? So this past weekend, domestically, the Batman did $134 million, and worldwide it did $258 million. That's the latest numbers that we've seen so far. So it did some serious business <laughs> going on this weekend. Yeah, it's, it's up there. It, it's definitely up there. I think Spider-Man still beat it out by like a, like $80 million or something like well, that, yeah. but that's a whole different thing. I was concerned 
well, one, that this was not going to be as good of a movie as I thought, and two, that people weren't going to care as much because of the fact that it didn't seem like your cookie-cutter, run-of-the-mill superhero movie. But that doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be the case, really. I mean... <laughs> yeah, so it's it's interesting to me, you were asking like what I kind of expected, and yeah. I was expecting a decent show, but not... Like, most of the people that I've talked to and you know we've we've talked about it on this podcast and this is where i landed where i was like it looks good i'm not super hyped up about it yeah and i would say part of that is the fact that it's like it feels very non cookie cutter yeah uh, as opposed to like spider-man or strange or what you know the stuff that is coming out of the hype machine yeah um so I was expecting it to do numbers, but I, I had the feeling that like a lot of people were going to be in that same vein, but that does not seem to be the case. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little surprised. I'm like my hype level for it is going up because I'm like, Oh, it seems like it's like a legitimate like piece of cinema. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. as weird as that sounds to say, like there's like, yeah, a level to it. Um, mm-hmm. And it is in its first weekend, the number two movie of the year thus far. Um, yeah. Spider-Man being the first one, but like, cause that's been out for the first three months of the year. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, or two months of the year. But like, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I'm surprised. I'll put it that way. Yeah. But I think that might have more to do with me than with seemingly to do with me than with the general population. Yeah. And I mean, I was surprised just because it not only did well financially, and that's just because a lot of people went to see it, but it's doing really well critically too. Like a lot of people have kind of hailed this as one of the better superhero movies. And I think that's because like, it's like you said, it's not something that conforms straight down the line to something that we've seen already. Like if, if you're a fan of like David Fincher or if you're a fan of like even Scorsese to some extent, like this will feel way more in your wheelhouse than like, if you loved like, yeah, the dark Knight trilogy, the dark Knight, exactly. The dark, it doesn't even, it doesn't even feel close to that, which is really interesting because it's still like the dark and brooding type of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, reassuring to see because it means that this type of thing isn't like off the table like you don't have to do the marvel route of like everyone does the same thing color grades the same camera angles are the same and we just do that the whole way through which uh is i think it's reassuring because i like to see more like kind of filmmakers take the reins and do stuff like this yeah Um, which is interesting because it seems like the DC or at least Warner brothers on the DC side is looking to do that more with their filmmaking or with their, um, like superhero stuff their properties. Yeah. yeah. They're like after James Gunn did the suicide squad after Matt Reeves just did the Batman. It seems like they're going to be giving their filmmakers a lot more control. Is that a, is that a good call? Do you think? Cause like we were talking before the pod, like that's kind of what they did with Snyder and yeah you know (laughs) well it's interesting because it's like i feel like when they went with Zack snyder they were looking for a yeah see i'm already into this argument now but but when they (laughs) went with Zack snyder they were looking for john favreau yes they were looking for because at that at the time it was like yeah we we'd had iron man and iron man 2 and he was consulting on thor and captain america and like yeah yeah 
um, and to a degree, I think there was like a, um, a Joss Wheaton is like taking that helm kind of thing. And then I got passed to the, the Russo brothers and like, there's always been like that voice behind mm-hmm. all of it. Um, which is why I think it can be argued that there's such a continuity to the MCU. Yeah. Um, but with this it's, it's like, so Snyder brought his Snyderness to it and the Snyder fan base, you know what I mean? Like he yeah. had an established kind of, um, group that was going to come along to whatever he did. Yeah. Whereas I don't really know that Matt Reeves has that. Like, I'm sure there are Matt Reeves fans out there, but there's not Matt Reeves fanatics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, I mean, there's definitely James Gunn fanatics out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like they're handling that better mm-hmm. because I mean, I think Peacemaker is like the, the prime example of this kind of thing of, peacemaker they were willing to do because of a trust in james gunn yeah as opposed to like like here james gunn go do you want to do this go for it because we're sure you'll do something good whereas like with Zack snyder they were going okay like we want you to guide this whole thing Mm -hmm. um which is a different thing than yeah go do the thing you want to do for fun yeah that's true um so long-winded way of saying i feel like they're in a better place than they were with the Zack snyder things like they were taking a chance with Zack snyder for sure but i feel like they were putting way more weight on his plate yeah than they are on matt reeves or they are on james gunn or they are on um even like james wan or like kathy yan or like any of the um uh was Kathy Ann did Birds of Prey? Who did um Wonder Woman? Oh man! I'm oh, like all I can think is Kathy Ann now. I'm completely blanking. It's Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins, yes. Which yeah. I felt like they deviated from Snyder, which is why things started to feel so disjointed. Mm-hmm. And then when when he did the Snyder cut, like it kind of started to bring things back a little tiny bit because that was fully or- his thing. Yeah, or even I mean, in um, Batman versus Superman, like the character Wonder Woman's in the end of that, and it's Mm -hmm. like there's a stark difference between the Wonder Woman in Wonder Woman and the Wonder Woman in Bats versus Supes. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Which is such a weird abbreviation. I know. Which Batman versus Superman? Yeah, Bat Supes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's um. It's interesting the way that the route that they're going because they're not really. I don't think they understand what they want to do because what the basically the chief content officer Toby Emmerich for uh, Warner mm-hmm. Brothers stated like the secret of the movie business is quality, which I think is so hilarious for them to be saying because like he's saying yeah. like this movie did really well because it was it was good quality. And I'm like, but has that not always been <laughs> like the goal? You're Warner Brothers. <laughs> you put out Batman versus Superman. Like, yeah, but are I'm you like, just realizing this. It's like, has that not always been the secret recipe is like, have a good product first. And then like, yeah. that should be the end of the sentence. Really. It's just have a good product and then people will watch it. Um, yeah. and up till now, like these studios haven't given a shit about that. <laughs> yeah. It's well, it's, it's Warner brothers starting to be like, okay, like let's do our own thing. Yeah. Because for the longest time they were trying to build the DC MCU. Yeah. And now I feel like they're like, 
They're just kind of like, you know what? We got these properties. Like, let's make movies and put them out and make money. Like, there's also the DC um, Super Pets, the animated show that's coming out. Oh, yeah. Isn't Keanu? Or the animated uh... movie with Keanu as Batman. (laughs) And I'm like, yes. Hell yeah. I'm like, put him, line him up right next to fucking uh, uh, Will Arnett as like animated Batmans. Perfect. Um, But it's an interesting thing to like, you can kind of almost map their lessons of um yeah oh like you can see what they're how they're learning in real time almost because they had the different change like when wonder woman did so well yeah and like got away from that look and when they did uh shazam they're learning their lessons slowly but surely um and like kind of coming out better for it you know what i mean like the the argument of you learn more from your failures than your successes of is kind of like coming out here you know it's true um, it only took them like 10 years to to figure that out but yeah. yeah because there was a big gap between like people considered the nolan movies like at the time pinnacle superhero films mm-hmm. uh which haven't aged like the best over time but they're still kind of thought of that way and then there was a really big stretch between then and pretty much right now where they're just had no it felt like super disjointed they didn't really understand what to do and they were trying to mimic marvel but then also not at the same time um so it's really interesting that they're kind of finding their footing here and that could just be them just saying oh this movie did really well you know we that was us we figured out we we knew how to do this (laughs) Well, that's what I'll say is like, I feel like they're not necessarily, and I mean, who knows, you know, maybe they weren't even expecting this weekend, but they're not necessarily lining up to be like, all right, cool. This movie, this, the Batman did really well. We're going to make four more of the Batman. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not like green lighting. I guess it's only been four days, but yeah. like they're not <laughs> green lighting a whole new trilogy, um, you know, which is something that Disney at least is prone to do. Um, yeah. In the Star Wars universe, if not the, uh the mcu but it's true i don't know it's it's interesting we say that all the time but i know it is it's interesting it's, it's stuff fascinating <laughs> here yeah it's fascinating it is um and something else that was pretty interesting that had to do with what happened this weekend was that the or which how should i say this uh amc and a couple other of the major theater change chains did a slight bump in price or like a surcharge to just Mm. the Batman tickets uh, for, I believe it was the first eight days of release. They bumped it between a dollar and a dollar 50, depending on where your area or where the uh, theater is in your area, which is really an interesting move because I was, so I subscribe to the AMC stubs list, so I don't see the ticket price usually. So when I was looking at this article and reading the ticket prices, I didn't quite realize how high they were already in certain spots that wasn't IMAX. Like we're talking 17 bucks in Burbank already. And then them bumping it up to 1850. Um, I, well, what do you, what are your thoughts on this overall? Like is, is this a tactic to try and like just make recoup losses or like what I, well, so I think two things. I think it's long overdue. Mm. I feel like this is, this was, this has been inevitable for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's one of the, well, I don't want to go out to say it's one of the smarter things, but like, 
hears your audience. Yeah. So if they were just saying like, oh yeah, like the Batman's going to be a dollar more in perpetuity, like, you know, until it's not in theaters anymore, that's a different story. And they're saying the Batman's going to be a buck more for the first eight days. Yeah. That's a very specific group of people that are going to go, yeah, I'm paying an extra dollar to see the Batman. I don't care. Yeah. I'll pay an extra five dollars to see the Batman the night of. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you get another group of people that are going to go, I was kind of about it. I I can wait eight days. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar kind of thing that's happening when shows come out on or movies come out on Amazon these days. And you're like, all right, I'm not paying $4.99 for this movie. It'll be on streaming like, you know, in a in a couple weeks. And I'll yeah. watch it then. Um, or the same thing with, with Disney's premiere access of, I'm not paying $20, $30 to watch yeah, Black Widow. $30, man. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll wait until it comes out. So it's like, yeah. it's kind of what audience members are already expecting. Mm-hmm. And I think it's at a good price point of, you're not going to bat an eye about a dollar. No. There's nobody that's like, well, maybe I'm sure there are people I don't want to see. I don't want to be totalitarian <laughs> on it, but like, you know, the majority of people that are going to go see it are not going to get derailed about seeing the new Batman for a dollar. Yeah. Or a dollar fit. Like, yeah. You know, like really like what's the difference between 1899 and 1999? Yeah. Like in my head, I'm like, that's $20 for both of them regardless yeah it's 20 bucks yeah i'm like how much is it i don't know it's like 20 bucks all right cool like yeah so i'm i'm on board i think it's something that's been implemented um in like europe and other uh international markets for a little while yeah um and i think it's gonna i like i think it's gonna do something really good to help save theaters to a degree not mm-hmm. maybe not save completely, but like it's definitely here's because it's I don't think it's going, you know, like a and I don't know for sure, but a higher percentage, a higher percentage of the box office isn't going to Warner Brothers. Right. You know, these are these are costs going directly to the theater, which, yeah, like these are the guys that need money. I'm going to give you a like I'm down to spend a dollar to help save theaters. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Where do you, where do you end on this, Josh? I mean, I feel very similarly. I don't think it's enough to make most people go like, oh, hold on. Wait a minute. You're ringing me out and it's actually 1850 and not 17. Like, we're going to hold off on this. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think, like, it's something where, like, the price of tickets have gone up so much in the past even five years that... Yeah. Like, regardless of what was going to happen with the pandemic and what was going to happen with all of this stuff, rising prices, like, people were going to stop going to the movies every weekend, no matter what, because it becomes a, like you were saying, like, for you and your wife to go out to a movie, it's like 80 bucks. It's a lot. It's yeah. to get, like, food and, like, concessions, and it's it's a whole thing. Um, especially now, it's like, if you want to go see an IMAX movie, two tickets is 50 plus dollars. Like, no, yeah. and that's what it is. And if you're not subscribed, and that's why I'm like, oh, well, AMC should see a bump in like their Stubbs membership because one, yeah. that's the price of the membership is one IMAX ticket and you can just go and see that whenever you want to. 
which is Does, was there any kind of with your with your AMC was there any kind of blackout for batman no wasn't a blackout for batman wasn't a blackout for spider-man like we got notifications the day that the tickets went on sale and you can just get whatever you want to um so i'm like if anybody even goes to see one movie a month now it's like this is totally worth it like it's totally worth it so i i would be curious to see if they see a spike in membership there um but yeah i think this was inevitable i mean like theaters aren't going to be saved by this directly but it is showing that like they're putting a lot more stock into movies like the Batman and like Spider-Man to, to kind of keep themselves afloat. And like, I, you'd never see this happen to like, uh, the French dispatch. Like they would never do like, okay, yeah. Dollar bump on French dispatch first night only. Like you can't, you know, <laughs> there's just no chance that they would do that. But this is yeah. one that has built in audience. They know that people are going to go regardless of what happens. They're probably not even going to check the receipt when they're swiping their credit card. They're just going to be like, okay, Batman, whatever it is. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's yeah. it's an interesting tactic, but I it makes sense. And they and they were upfront about it. That was the other thing. They just straight up said we're we're doing a surcharge on this movie for eight days. Yeah. I don't know where they released that because I didn't know going into that. But um, it's I, well, it's interesting, and I feel like it wasn't like it was introduced specifically. I think with the release of the Batman, mm-hmm. because if they just like offhandedly, if it was like you know january 3rd or something and they're like hey you guys you know what 2022 we're bumping out all the temple stuff a dollar yeah it'd be like a like whoa wait what whoa right but when it's tied to something very specific it's like okay i get that and then now there's like well when dr strange comes out it's like yeah you guys remember like we did an extra dollar for the batman we're gonna do an extra dollar yeah. for dr strange you know you like, all oh, okay i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's it, the the thing i'd like to know is where is the top of that mm. spectrum? Like how high could you go with a surcharge before people start balking? Yeah. And I don't think it's that high. I feel like you get beyond, I feel like you could probably pull off five bucks for certain movies. But that's the, that's the, yeah. For like the Batman for Dr. Strange. Like I'm like the ones that I'm like, this is going to get spoiled for me if I don't see it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'll pay an extra five bucks to see Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. So I don't see like, you know, yeah. oh, this whole thing where it's <laughs> right, you know, that whole thing. But yeah, they force your I, uh, hand, you know, they're like, yeah, hey, yeah. sidebar. I saw um, they have released a trailer for No Way Home's like DVD release. Oh, that has all three spiders in it. Oh, oh, okay. Which is an interesting thing, which I'm like, everybody saw this movie. If you haven't yeah, seen this movie, you're not gonna like, yeah. But I thought that was interesting that there's like, yep, here, here it go. is. Here they are. That's really yeah. interesting. But yeah, you're right. It makes sense at this point. No, like if you haven't seen it, you're not going to see it or you don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, Especially the, the, the scene in it is when they're all like bantering with each other, uh, oh. up on the, uh, up on the statue over there so i'm like that's that's good banter between the three of them so. it is it is and it makes sidebar like it would get me to like be, oh shit yeah i actually love this movie like <laughs> i gotta see that movie again um, me too. we've somehow t- gotten to talking about marvel uh, it is what fault. it is it is what um, it is because we're so not used to talking about dc being on the up and up you know it's like we got to bring it back to marvel somehow <laughs> um yeah i mean the batman 
go see it. It's an interesting, it's a, it's a really interesting movie and it's going to, and it, they're, they're doing, they're changing some, some things with the way that not only Warner brothers is conducting themselves, but also how theaters are conducting themselves right now, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd like to see like come avatar two, like what that looks like, you know? Yeah. Avatar. Cause I, we'll have to do like a whole episode. That's on that a be whole like, thing. Let's talk about this. Um, let me ask you this question, having you having seen the Batman and I having not. Yeah. Um, without spoiling anything, I guess. Mm. Is there any kind of like world building, tie-ins, universe, etc. in this that you like you would specifically tag as that's Warner Brothers being like this? As opposed to like, here's like, we're building a bigger story or something. Does that make sense? Um, I believe I understand what you're asking me. Uh, and no, not really. Not that I can really think of. Um, There's no like the flash appears at the end and it's like, next oh, up, no, 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 this was very much like a, a singular thing, which is, which makes sense from the way that they're talking about it. But yeah, no, it's, it's very much like a singular type of, of film. That was is, by big fear is like, they were just building to oh. like a, you know, Batman, no way home where it's like, here's Dude. uh here's Keaton and here's, well, that's, so Clooney. that's not completely out of the question, but like they they did not even try okay. and not to anything in this movie. <laughs> so you can rest assured None of that, none of those so, shenanigans. There you go. Another level of like, hey, look, we're we're not just trying to be the MCU anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And they're 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 doing they're doing interesting stuff over there. So let's 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 continue this and Good see for them. what's going on. Speaking of Batman and Robin. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and movies that uh should just be should or should not just be lost to time. True. We'll do a little swap. Like we'll give you Batman and Robin, but give us, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're talking about movies that have gone missing to time, that are lost to time, uh, in one way or another. Whether that be licensing rights, which usually has to do with uh, studio greed or big, larger corporation greed, that they're just holding onto these for who knows what, or it could just be the fact that they're just nobody knows where they are anymore. Um, and this one group called Missing Movies, which is fighting to bring back a lot of these lost films. And I'm not talking about like, oh, a movie that was produced in like 2010 that nobody saw. Like movies that were prior to the 1950s or, I mean, around that era that are just like people don't know. Indie films, documentaries, stuff that has just literally yeah. been lost to time, which is really unfortunate because only recently have they started to get like easier to archive. You don't have a roll of film that you have to keep preserved yeah. for a hundred years. Like it's now just digital. You don't have to preserve anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about like this group and what I'm, or, I mean, like, where do you want to start here? It's a, it's like an interesting, it's well, a whole thing. I, so like, I, I feel like defining kind of what they're hunting for is like the, the nice place to start. So sure. like there's a lot of movies. Oh, we'll start here. A lot of movies get made. Yeah. I like how a lot of movies get made. And, you know, say what you will about, like, if they're good or bad or not. Like, there are certain ones that are defining of their time, defined by their time. Um, You know, kind of just things that aren't cinematic masterpieces, but have 
address something to history or something like that. And especially back in the days of film reels and things like that, it's there wasn't there's no governing body that is saying, okay, so this film gets released. It plays for eight weeks, whatever, 90 days. It exits theaters. It gets, you know, archived and put in like a vault. And then it gets released on VHS or DVD or Laserdisc or streaming or whatever. Like there's no that that section in the middle where it's like, okay, so this got released. And now we're going to like put it somewhere to keep it doesn't exist for a lot of stuff. And, yeah. you know, they make print after print after print of this stuff, but film doesn't last forever. No. Um, and if you're not looking for it, like this stuff can get lost. And like, it's, it's a weird, they're, they're basically like archeologists almost or anthropologists of like, here's part of history that is just vanishing. Yeah. The artifacts literally like, (laughs) yeah. So yeah. What missing movies is doing is, is basically saying these deserve to be, preserved in some capacity and uh we're gonna find these things and do that and whether or not that means like tracking down prints that are sitting in somebody's basement or something like that you know Mm -hmm. um or if that means hey so this random company that randomly had the rights to something and now doesn't give a shit and is like we're not no we're not so Case in point, the article that we're discussing here is talking about uh, a film called The Heartbreak Kid, which came out, in, I believe, in the 70s, uh, mm-hmm. the 19, 1972, um, and is owned. The rights for it are owned by Bristol Myers Squibb, um, which is like a pharmaceutical company. And it's because in the 70s, they were like, yeah, we're going to make movies. And people were like, what? And then yeah. they made a few. And then they're like, this is weird yeah. for a pharmaceutical company. And bailed out. And like, so they hold the rights to this Heartbreak Kid film. And um, there's no, there's no record of it because yeah. they're like, we're not going to release it. We're a pharmaceutical company. Right. So it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting process. I, it's God's work. I'll, like, it, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, these are things that I'm like, I don't know that I'll put it this way. They're looking for the things that you don't know you haven't seen. Oh, God, yeah. And that's pretty dope. Yeah, that you've never heard of and never, likely never would have heard of if it wasn't for somebody yeah. trying to actively track them down. I mean, it's it's very telling of where we are right now and where priorities are with streamers and with distributors, with studios, that nobody cares. And when I say nobody, yeah. I mean the people that have the money and the power they're not looking to track these down, restore them, make them available for people to watch, which is yeah. another thing that these that uh, Missing Movies is trying to do is make them available. I don't know at what capacity that would be, whether it's their own service or, or, or archive or something like that. Um, but it's That's inter- a really interesting question. Sorry. No, yeah. If there was a Missing Movies streaming service, would you subscribe if it was like five bucks? If it was five bucks, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Just because I, so 
there are services that are dedicated to very like niche groups of of film lovers like shutter is just sure. one and that's not a super niche one because it's horror and yeah. a lot of people love that but like even the criterion collection like streamer mm-hmm. and arrow like there's a bunch that are just dedicated to one really specific type of thing and obviously criterion kind of is is wider sure. than that um but it's not out of the question to be like there is a market for this there's a market for people who want to go back and watch where you know not like the start of film but like go through the history of filmmaking and watch a lot of important stuff it's not all great doesn't mean it's not important like you said earlier um and there was a really interesting statistic in this uh in this article that basically states that around half of films produced prior to 1950 are just missing gone like just gone whether that means gone forever or just somebody has them in their basement somewhere like it remains to be seen so it's like everyone's so wrapped up in creating more and it's like but there's so much out there that is important and should be viewed by people who love cinema or otherwise It's, it's important shit and not everybody needs to go sit down watch the batman i know i just said that it was like you know it was a great it was a great experience but it's just one of those things that it makes me feel weird when the people who are in charge of creating more, they're like, eh, we can, you know, yeah. that stuff doesn't really matter. And that's just not true. Like, it's just yeah. not true. It does matter. Like, um, so I don't know. Missing movies, man. I'm, this, I'm, uh, this I'm article made me think of, uh, at, at, at some point in my life for one of my birthdays, uh, I believe when I was in film school, I got a DVD set that was just like, film noir and it was a dvd set i think it had something like 40 or 50 movies on it oh shit and it was like a couple of like ones i've been like oh yeah like i think it had like maltese falcon on it it was like a lot of the like more mainstream ones but there were maybe four and then there were like 40 other movies on those dvds and it's like this like one of those things that you don't really have a good appreciation like if, if you study film history at all, you, you you get that sense of, oh, there was that time when the studios were just churning out movies, when they were making, you know, Westerns, when they were making film noirs and they were just pumping them out. And like, you know, like a studio would make like 50 or 100 in a year. And like, it was just like, yep. Like, and I'm talking back in like the 30s, 40s kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But you don't like think about it. It's like, that seems like, a, oh yeah, like they make a lot of movies, but I'm like, consider what 40 or 50 movies a year means. You know what I mean? It's like you're looking at like almost five, four or five a month, like of just like, yeah, from multiple, like there's yeah, so many of these things to get made. And yeah, like clearly they're not all like, you know, towering examples of fantastic cinema. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're not like part of what defined that genre. Yeah. You know, or help shed light on what that genre meant when it was being made. Like there's still like historical significance to these things. And, you know, like I've, I've read articles by people and I, I want to say I've talked to a couple in my lifetime, but like there are people that are like, oh yes, I'm a uh, cinema historian from, 
1953 yeah. in terms of uh, French New Wave cinema. Sure. And I realize some listener somewhere is going, French New Wave cinema didn't happen then. But like, <laughs> example. For yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things. It's like, you can take like a three or four year period and just get lost in what films meant in that period. Yeah. And like, to, to tie it back, like, that's great. And that's something that's like worthy of sharing. Be like, look, look what this, look what films meant to this world. <laughs> But like you can't say look what films meant to this world at this time if you can't show anyone or you can't see any of the things that happened there. Yeah. And it's like I don't know. I'm getting like a little impassioned here because I'm like, it's good, man. Let it all out. But it, it, it it's one of those. I'm like, that's not gonna be important to a lot of people, but it's gonna be important to some. And it's like the same kind of thing of like. You go to a museum and it's like, you might not understand, you might not have a full appreciation of what sculpture from ancient Greece meant, mm -hmm. you know, but like that doesn't make it not important and not have an influence on the rest of the world. And like, yeah. just think like in like two, 300 years, what these films will mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like where it's like, oh man, like back when they shot things with real cameras. Yeah. <laughs> Like when it wasn't just actors in VR suits, like right taking, or the, where we didn't just like yeah. download your dreams from your uh, yeah. from your implant, like yeah, it's so true. And just like the the like your museum example is so perfect. Like you can go and look at pottery from like thousands of years ago, and that's yeah. like people will, but we can't find movies that were produced like not even a hundred years ago. <laughs> Like that's yeah. just crazy to me. That's like in, in art is like, we can talk about painting. We can talk about pottery. Like we can talk about whatever we want to. And it's like, regardless, it means something and it's, yeah, it might not be important to every single person, every single film viewer, but it is important nonetheless, especially to understand how far we've come in terms of filmmaking. Yeah. Like you can just, just consume stuff from 2022 this year. Like you can, that's just how many movies are going to come out. But to really go back and like, again, I went to film school. Like it's not, not everybody's going to care all that much, but it, it kind of frustrates me that people don't care all that much. Cause it's like, look, look at what people were doing in 1890, yeah. dude. Like this is insane. Like they were literally inventing this stuff. Like that is so crazy to me. Um, yeah. And I didn't really have a huge point with that, but it's just, it, it it's. Well, yeah. Like it's the, the, the DVD of 50 film noir movies is not for everyone. Sure. But I chewed through those so fast. I was like, yeah. this is crazy. And I'm like, that's like, oh, like, and after a while you get like, oh, that person clearly saw the Maltese Falcon. Right. And it was like, you know, it'd be cool if we made the Maltese Falcon, but it was called the Maltese Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, okay, you freaking 1950s yeah. hack. But like, yeah, <laughs> you know, but that doesn't make it like less work like that is just as interesting to me and to, I think a lot of people and to, yeah, just as interesting to me. And I think a lot of people as, as anything else. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think of like, um, I'll, I'll throw one final analogy out there uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bail out. But I think back to like world war two and things like that, where it's like, there was like this massive loss of art. Yeah. Oh yeah. From like France and, you know, all over Europe and whatnot, just from, Hey, wartime, like destroyed all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
And like, that's considered like a travesty mm-hmm. and is, you know, of like yeah. loss to like the art world and what the artists of the time were doing. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm sure there are films in that time period as well that are lost to the ages. And like, we, we don't hear those voices anymore. And I like, I put film in that same cat. It's art that's lost, man. And like, yeah. let's not lose art. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's one more point is like, is film not, is there any better representation of a period of time other than film cinema? Like that is a perfect, you can pick out a film from 2002. You can pick out a film from 1961. Those, regardless if it was a period piece that was set in the future or like that perfectly captures what's happening that in that year, like that it was made. Blade Runner is so 80s. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, does it? Is there a better gauge of what was happening at that time than cinema? Like, I just don't think there is. Like, you can look at a painting, look at a photograph, and it's like, but no, like film, it, yeah. it brings it all together. Music, like everything, is of the time, and it doesn't matter if yeah, you watch Licorice Pizza and it's the seventies. Like that was a twenty twenty one movie, like yeah. through and through, and you can feel it. Well, and if you if you like if you look at it from through the lens of social issues and things like that, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, in the past, however many years, like you can feel the impact of things like black lives matter and uh, me too. And all that, like, yeah. Reflected in the cinema of this time. And it's one of those that's like, you know, short of, well, it's weird because like now, like, I feel like everything is recorded. Like, sure. I feel like these guys aren't necessarily doing a lot of like, oh yeah, this movie that came out in 2018, there's no record of it anywhere because sure, that's now all you're kind of doing is like, all right, well, I'm going to right click, save and store this on my, uh, yeah. my server. Yep. And then we'll, you know, <laughs> archive it on tape and like yeah. have all this. Yeah. Um, but I got too. I got. I lost my point because I got too uh, <laughs> caught up in um, digital archiving. Um, shout out Steph and Dave, but uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's it's like we're. Just, I feel like I'm just being like Indiana Jones over here. Like this belongs in a museum. Like it does, though. It does as much as music or any other form of art. That's that's any form of art. I mean, it's. It sucks that, and I think it's it's because movies have continued. This is literally my last point on this, but the fact that movies have continued to be so prevalent in everyone's everyday lives, if not way more than it used to be, I yeah. think people are just looking forward and they're not taking a chance, taking a second to look back. I mean, obviously, real filmmakers are and film scholars are, but there people are just like. What's the next thing? When's the new Doctor Strange movie? Like, when's Avatar yeah. 2 coming out? Like, people are pushing forward because it's still such a huge financial driving force force for a lot of industries. So I think that's just, as long as it keeps being like that, like, music is kind of plateaued in that way, where it's like, people stream stuff, and that's kind yeah. of how people consume. It's not record sales. It's not that stuff anymore. Um which is why yeah, we're seeing everything's just available. Yeah, exactly. Sidebar, uh, Spotify went down for a little bit today. Thought my account was hacked. Did you part of that? Up. And I was just like, <laughs> what do I do? Dude, I was on lunch and I'm like, 
I was going to listen to a podcast. <laughs> it was very bizarre. I was, I opened Pandora because I was oh, like, good I, Lord. what else do I <laughs> listen to? Because I'm like, well, no, I opened uh, I opened Apple Music first. And then I was yeah. like, I've never used Apple Music. There's yeah. nothing set up for me here. Yeah. So I was like, what else have I done? But it was, it was like a weird like, oh, all my music is just not here. Yeah. It was kind and of it's a- It's very quiet in my house. Yeah. <laughs> It was haunting. Uh, it, it was. Yeah. It was. But anyway, um but yeah. Shout out to Missing Movies. Yes. You're doing great work. Truly. Shout out to Martin Scorsese also. Yes. I, like he's a big voice in this community. Yeah. Um he has a vault in his house full yeah. of prints of old movies. It's like <laughs> air conditioned or atmospheric conditioned uh yeah. vault to preserve film. And I'm like, yeah. Go for it, man. Yeah, I mean, so, it, was, it was his um, archivists, part of the film foundation that that knows that roughly half of <laughs> movies before yeah. 1950 are gone. So it's like shout out, shout out, Marty. <laughs> it's oh. such an inter- like I feel like it would be such an interesting job of like, I like I'm sure these movies are sitting in basements somewhere. Okay, oh, you know what yeah. I mean? Where it's you're just like oh, that it's like you ever watch the Antiques Roadshow where it's like oh yeah, oh, yeah I this has just been sitting in my basement you're like, like this is like the journal from J.R.R. Tolkien where he was <laughs> first had the idea of the board of the rent what a random example but like sure you know people come out and it's like oh it's just sitting there and you're like you're like holy no crap. one's seen that for 45 years <laughs> yeah. I'll, guaranteed that's what's it's worth 15 million dollars yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've been looking for it so check the film in your attic dear listener yeah please do it and and yeah and and send it to the missing missing movies because they're looking for it um <laughs> you know who else is looking for stuff the viewers of the oscars yeah me looking for some some categories some categories that have gone missing strangely. Yes. strangely um last week we told you guys that the academy of motion picture and arts had uh cut eight major categories from the tele from the telecast which doesn't mean they're not going to be presented it just means that they're going to be pre-recorded and basically none of that's going to happen live and they're going to be inter like they're going to be sprinkled in throughout the throughout the uh the show i originally thought that this was of their own design of their own like we need to do something to to we got know. pretty worked up about this last Yeah, week. yeah, to change to, to change the viewership to get more people to watch, which I still think is the driving factor behind a lot of this stuff. But now we know it wasn't their decision. It was ABC's decision and they basically, well, well what? I won't okay. Continue. I, will, I let's put an asterisk next to it wasn't their decision. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, so basically what happened was ABC from what I can gather told them that they had to cut actually 12 categories from the showing or that they wouldn't be able to host it at all, which is weird. That they weren't going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. Cause I'm like, we're 20 days out guys. How can you be having this conversation now? Like, <laughs> I just don't yeah. get that. That's the level one bullshit that I'm, I'm calling on this. Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. We're, we're bringing this up six weeks before the, uh, before the event. Okay. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for the warning guys. <laughs> Sorry, continue. I'm just going to pepper catty comments from the side here. That's fine. That's fine. All right. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so that brought waves of industry professionals, filmmakers, academy members, people who just are impassioned movie lovers, and 
to basically rag on the academy for doing this um and i was one of them and we were both like what the yeah. what the hell are you guys doing because we couldn't really make heads or tails of exactly the the motivation behind it yeah why best original song when we yeah. don't get best original score exactly um but so what do you make so what do you make of the abc stuff going going forward from here <sighs> this is tough because i get it i understand i hate it but i'm like abc is like we are giving you four plus hours of Sunday night airtime where we could be running reruns of NCIS or something. I have no idea what channel that shows on, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I get it. Cause it's like ABC is giving up a, a substantial amount of time. Sure. And they're like, well, this is like, nobody watches this shit. Why should we? Yeah. <sighs> I get it. But like, I don't agree with it yeah let me pose this question to you should the oscars be on a different night is that is it it's sun is this if we do the oscars on friday night like like most people don't watch tv on friday night it's like a less sought after like thing is that solve the problem did i just solve the oscars i think you did it get them on the horn <laughs> get what's his face on the horn and and I mean, that's definitely possible because um, it is taking up like that prime time where literally nobody has anything to do. And it's like, okay, we're yeah. going to sit down and watch something. But my only rebuttal is like, how many people are sitting down and f turning ABC on? Like, how many people are like, you know what? Like, is it really taking mm -hmm. a bigger chunk of the viewership away than it would to just bring people to the actual channel? Like, I don't have cable. I don't know anyone who has cable who is just going to turn ABC on on a Sunday. Is yeah. is showing the Oscars really taking that many viewers away from the channel? Like, I just don't understand. I just don't think that's possible. Like... <laughs> Well, so I will say, like, you still have to, what's, okay, so you still have to have some kind of live subscription to watch the Oscars, mm -hmm. be it YouTube TV or uh, ABC, the ABC app or Hulu live TV or whatever. Like, you still have to have some kind of connection to that. It's not like it's, it's not like the state of the union where it was like, oh yeah, also it's free it's on, on YouTube. YouTube so just yeah. Watch that. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, there is still a level that they're, like, beholden to advertisers. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think, like, to sort of play off of what you're asking, I'm like, what are you going to program instead, ABC? Right. It's one night, like, dude. <laughs> it's one night a year. And, like, so I, I think last year the Oscars had a career low of that's a weird turn of phrase. Had a career, <laughs> had a career low of um I think it was like ten million viewers. Yeah. Nine which is like unabashedly bad. Yeah. Sorry guys. Like that was bad. What are you programming against this? It's gonna like be like I mean and I don't know. Maybe it's like yeah, our normal Sunday night stuff gets seventy million viewers and you're like, well shit, that Okay. Well then, okay. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like the thing I want to get to here is like, 
there's other answers to this than we're just not going to air stuff. Yeah. All of this to me kind of vibes of a lack of creativity on the Academy's part. Yeah. Because, okay, you don't want to air all of it. What we're going to do is we're going to have it on Saturday. We're going to stream the whole thing on all of these platforms that are going to jump at the chance to be like, yeah, we'll stream the Oscars. Are you shitting me? Mm-hmm. Like if you went to YouTube and it was like, hey, YouTube, like, do you want to stream the Oscars? They'd be like, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Or like Hulu or like whoever. And like, honestly, Anyone. it would not be a hard argument considering like most of these like companies probably have skin in the game. Yeah. Like ABC is owned by Disney. You think Disney doesn't profit by like the idea of like, oh yeah, like the Oscars on our air. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So like, what's to say like, okay, we're going to air, we're going to do it on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then those that uh, see, I've knocked myself. We're going to do it on Saturday. We're going to stream it in a couple places mm-hmm. and then air whatever the fuck you want on Sunday. Air whatever you think is going to bring in the greatest number of viewers. Yeah. I don't know if that works because I don't know if anyone who's going to watch the Oscars is going to go, oh, well, I'll just stream the whole thing on Saturday. But if you're streaming the whole thing on Saturday, like stream the whole thing. Like, street, like I don't... <laughs> I guess what I'm getting to is I feel like we're in a place where being beholden to a network for distribution of the Oscars is nuts. Oh, yeah. Which we we talked a little bit about last week. Um, the fact that there's really no reason for it to be on a major network anymore just because of the fact that like people are watching it in a number of different places regardless. Like people yeah. aren't aren't just tuning in to watch it here. Um and it's just, it's so mind boggling to me because like, I think the, the Academy signed a contract to have it be hosted by ABC for the, up until 2028 or something like that, which I'm like, mm. oh God, like, well, I don't know when that was signed or if you can, guys. like, what are you guys doing? But I'm also looking at the budget for the entire ceremony It's $40 million. Do you know how many other like places, like YouTube could easily, <laughs> yeah, easily put that on. Twitch could do that. Like these places that are making that daily off of their viewership and advertising. Do you know what a boon it would be if Twitch was just like we're the sole host of the Oscars, dude? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I need a Twitch account. I'm like, okay, okay, and like you could even do like a obviously Twitch is free, so like you could even do like a buy in, like a two dollar, like I don't know how they yeah. would make or or like advertising on Twitch. Like there's so many re- like avenues of doing. Oh, this. and then you just tie it into like okay, like hey, all of you guys who like like all of the productions, like get your people in a group and let's do a Twitch stream of your reaction live stream. Yeah, yeah, which would be like. Great and also really sad because you'd get all the ones that like won, but then you get all the streams of the people that are like, oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to um, see it all though. I want to see all of it. Like it's there's there's just so many places for this to go, and I think so. Uh, there's a couple of major changes coming up to the academy soon. I think the chairman and CEO are both changing relatively soon. Mm-hmm bringing in some new blood, which is, I think, what needs to happen. I mean, there needs to be 
some sort of understanding that the internet is where it is now. It's not, you yeah. can't just rely on, you can't just rely on these networks. Like they just don't really yeah. exist anymore outside of streaming. Uh, and yeah. And like they don't hold the power that you seem to be thinking yeah. that they do. Yeah. Like who cares? It's ABC. Who cares? Like just pull I'm like, it from them. It's weird. And like, I feel like I'm about to make like a very millennial comment, but like, yeah. What's a, I don't, off the top of my head, I'm like, I can't name a show that's on ABC. Oh, no. No way. I want to think the only one I can think of off the top of my head is Shark Tank, but I'm like. I didn't even know that was on ABC, so. (laughs) Yeah, like that's like, I'm sitting here like, I think that's on ABC, but so like I watch Shark Tank on Hulu. I was going to say, it's all on Hulu. Like. Yeah. (laughs) I think the big question is what has to happen for ABC to be like, yeah, we don't want this contract anymore. Cause like they're weird. I feel like the Academy has become weirdly beholden to mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And they're like, if ABC was like, yeah, we, we don't want it anymore. I mean, I what think, happens then? I think all that has to happen is this show does worse than 9 million viewers. Like if this <laughs> yeah. does 4 yeah. million viewers, I think they're like, ah, that literally falls under like our nightly news, like every night. So it's like, what, yeah. why would we do this? Um, but I'm like, so someone needs to void this contract. That's just what has to happen. Someone yeah. needs to go in and be like, this doesn't well, work for either party. Two things. Someone needs to void this contract and there has to be someone at the Academy. that's going to be like, okay, like let's do this right. Yes. Like, let's actually, like, go out there and involve ourselves with the streaming. And, like, Mm -hmm. I think it would be a boon if the Oscars was like, well, maybe Twitch. Like, I don't think that mentality currently exists within the Academy, but... No, I mean, just, like, the, the, the Oscar fan favorite thing, it was clearly, it's clear that they're not... They don't have their heads a hundred percent wrapped yeah. around what the internet, the the possibilities and capabilities of the internet are. Um. <laughs> I do want to throw one other interesting thing that I yeah. I don't really have a conversation to be had around this, but I noticed it the other day. Yeah, we talked last week about the SAG Awards. Yeah, you can stream the SAG Awards on HBO Max right now. I did not know that. You can stream the ceremony from last week, dude. Okay, I might do that honestly. <laughs> Which I'm like. That's a really interesting thing. And like, I don't know if it's like the, but like, you know, I don't know if I would ever go back and be like, you know what? I'm going to watch old Oscars. The Oscar. Yeah. The 2019 Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> Although that was like, a good I, one. So. And like, the, like I know like shout out Carl, but like my father-in-law rewatches old Super Bowls all the time. Like there are people out there. They're going to be like, Oh man, Remember when Scorsese won for The Departed? I would yeah. love to revisit that moment. Yeah. Which I guess is what YouTube is for, but like. Sure, sure. But there will be people who want to, like I do, rev- I revisit, like, I literally revisit Bong Joon-ho's acceptance speech, like, not all the yeah. time, but like more than none. So it's like, it's one of those things where it, it would have a life there. Like whether it's people flipping yeah. through it and, and fast forwarding, I don't know if people sit through the whole show again, but it's. That's something that's real that that's never really been an option before unless you had like, 
you know, 10 years ago, TiVo, and you could like record it and then like go back yeah. and watch it again. If you had like but space it's hanging out on your hard drive and you yeah. gotta make room for episodes and CIS. Like. Exactly. You don't want to do that. Um, so I guess what we're coming to is they need to part ways. The Oscars and ABC definitely need to part ways because neither one really understands what the other one wants. And yeah. the Oscars is catering way too much to the network that it doesn't make sense to do yeah. anymore. Like it just doesn't. Um, the internet, man, that's where it's at. If it was, if it Change goes to game. Twitch or YouTube, oh, oh baby, game yeah. changer. So many more people will like see this, it. Like if it hits like the State of the Union, where it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, like I'm sure the State of the Union was carried on some on on oh. one of the major networks, but it was like, yeah, yeah. I went on YouTube, I went on Hulu, it was there. Like yeah. I went on YouTube, and it was like, here's the stream from uh, the White House. And then here's a stream from CNN. Here's a stream from, you know, Fox. Yeah. Here's the stream from et cetera, et cetera. That would be, there's a really interesting thing of if here's the, uh, here's the stream that goes out to all of the networks, et cetera. And then here on YouTube is the Academy stream mm. where it's like, you know, we got like five, six more cameras floating around. Yeah. We got one in the back. Yeah. We got one in the crowd. Yeah. We got one in the control room. Yeah. You know, and it's like, here's different content Yeah, for Academy viewers, I guess. I don't know. Like people in the crowd yeah. could like be stream, like you could do like a group stream or something. Like on Twitch, there's yeah. so many things you can do where you can have like a group stream where people, you have different people's perspectives up on the screen, like split. It's... Part of me is almost like, yeah, just like give me every camera. Let me cut my own... Uh, let me cut my I'm own show. My own. <laughs> I'm my own control room. I'm not paying attention to Can you to imagine shit. if you're just sitting there with like 15 streams of the thing and you're like, all right, wait, I'm putting that one up. I would get so into that. Wouldn't be my paying wife attention would never to what's watch happening. the Oscars with me again, but I would just be like, I am going to cut the Oscars right now. I am my own editor. <laughs> That's oh awesome. Oh, man. We've, we've gotten away from it a little bit here, Josh. We have, but that's okay. I mean- the point is the Oscars needs to change. Um, and I hope they figure out how to do it really soon because their, their numbers are not doing hot. The Oscars all. needs to change, but cutting to bring it back, but cutting things from the broadcast is not the answer. No, we thought they were Finding catering it- to, to people who didn't care about film. No, they're catering to the network. <laughs> yeah. Who arguably doesn't care. Who ar- arguably doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. You need to re-examine, you don't need to re-examine the format, you need to re-examine the distribution. I think yes. that's where we're landing. Yes, 100%. Yep, agreed. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff. <laughs> it's We got like what, like three weeks until, two weeks, two and a half weeks till the Oscars? Yeah. So we will see what the How's hell your happens. Oh, my list is good. I'm I'm slowly chipping away. I saw Are you two. Done? Yeah. yeah, I finished. No, I saw two over the past <laughs> like week and a half. Two that I needed to see. Um, so I'm I'm getting there. I'm not. It's still. It's a. It's gonna be a. It's it's a long road to get there. But. Uh all right. Well, shall we uh, give some recommendations here? Yeah. So our recommendation. Is a little, little more basic, I guess, than it was last week. Um, but that's fine. 
it's better than um when we just used to throw out a random movie but we're we're doing um in honor of missing movies we're doing a really old movie that's maybe something you haven't seen maybe something you have but that's worth uh revisiting um and and kind of checking out um so josh do you want to you want to go first yeah i can know go what's up i can go first so uh the movie i chose is one that you've probably heard of if you haven't seen it at this point uh if you're a film student you've definitely seen it and it's akira kurosawa's seven samurai which i saw i think only a couple years ago not for the first time but a couple years ago i think one of my friends like just had it on dvd and i was like okay we're gonna watch this uh really long movie but incredible and it's funny because if you are a fan of i don't even want to say modern blockbusters but like there there is so much inspiration that's taken from seven samurai comes from that movie sprinkled everywhere dude like everywhere uh and star wars is one of the like the biggest inspiration like the one of the film series that takes the most from seven samurai in fact george lucas wanted to cast toshiro mifuni as obi-wan kenobi instead of alec guinness which i'm like that would have been icing on the cake that would have been so cool didn't happen um would probably weirdly have made seven samurai part of the star wars universe in some weird kind of like like there'd be some (laughs) some guy on youtube that's like let me tell you about how this movie just takes place on a world in the Star Wars universe. The prequels would actually have just been Seven Samurai and it, like <laughs> just been like, just watch that and then you'll get it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so I'm not going to give a whole rundown of what this movie is about, but basically it centers around like a village of farmers who enlist the help of Seven Samurai or Ronin in the film uh, to help them fight off bandits who are trying to basically steal their crops after the harvest every single every single year. Incredibly shot, incredibly written, incredibly paced. It's it's like I don't even know what else to say about it. It's like the pinnacle of what this type of filmmaking is, and it's something mm-hmm. that yeah, if you're a film student, you've heard of Kurosawa, and you've definitely seen a lot of his works, like Rashomon. I almost chose that one. Um, but yeah, this is on HBO also Max, good. which I'm yeah. like, sick. Go watch it like now. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so Seven Samurai is my recommendation for this week. It came out in 1954. So it's an oldie, nice. but it's a nice. goodie. But classic. Yeah. Part of film history for sure. Literally, quite literally. Uh, what do you got this week, Willis? What's your recommendation? Old recommendation. So my recommendation is a film from 1963. Uh, and it's called Lilies of the Field. Mm. Um, this is a movie I just revisited uh, a couple months ago because it stars Sidney Poitier, um, who just died on yeah. January 9th, I think. Thereabouts. Something uh, like that. Wait, yeah. wait. Uh, January 6th. It's close. Um, so I revisited it, and it's such a fantastic performance by him. It's such a small kind of scope of a movie. Um, it's about a guy who stops by a church, by a, um, uh, I, I guess you'd call it a church, stops by a house where a bunch of nuns live. Um, and they basically ask him to do a little bit of repairman work and it kind of escalates to them asking him to build them a church and it it like 
It's a great performance by him. It won him an Oscar. Um, and it's like, it's just one of those movies that makes you sm- like smile the whole way through because it's just gen- like, yeah. there's something from films from that time period where they're just so like genuine and like, yeah, like feel good kind of thing. And it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, it's streaming on Amazon. Um, if you have a prime membership, it's free. Um, and it's, it's just great. It's like, it, it it pulls you in right away and you like, it's a weird thing because it's pre Brando pre like method. And so like, it has that kind of like, Oh, ha 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 kind of (laughs) acting style. Um, but like, you're still connected to the characters and you're still like, yeah, like, fuck. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm with you, man. Yeah. (laughs) You built that church. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my recommendation for this week. Um, yeah. Lilies of the field. 1963. Don't know Uh, that I've seen that, but I'm adding it to my watch list. Um, it's, 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 it's a chill movie. It's, I feel like I say that every week on my recommendations. I'm like, it's chill. It's good. That's good though. (laughs) Um, but, uh, this movie, uh, Sidney Poitier won an Academy Award for his portrayal in this. And that was the, uh, he was the first black actor to win an Academy Award for this film. Oh. So, like, talk about part of film history. Literally. Yeah. Historical significance right there. Mm-hmm. My God. All right. Hell yeah. Good stuff. So that'll bring us home. Yeah. And uh, let's do the social stuff. I, I, I do feel like I have to shout out. Um, this is episode 42. Mm-hmm. Shout out to all my uh, my hitchhiker fandom. Uh, <laughs> it's all I've thought about all week, literally. It's like oh, our, awesome. our, our Google Doc <laughs> says Pixel Splitters episode 42. And I'm like, yes. absolutely. Nice. Um, there it is. So Classic. The answer to life, the universe, and everything. Yes. So let's bring it home. Uh, Josh, where can people find you and your love of movies on the internet? Um, people can find me and my love of movies on the internet uh, on Twitter at JoshFuller33. Fuller is spelled with no E. You can also find me on both Instagram and on Letterboxd at Josh J. Fuller. Same handle for both. Uh, and that's where you can see everything that I'm consuming. Uh, and where can people find you, Willis? So you can find me when I post uh, on Instagram and Twitter and letterbox all at Willis film. Uh, and if you want to find the podcast itself, you can see all of our recommendations, all of our posts, engagement, etc. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at pixel splitters. You can find us on Twitter at pixel split pod, and you can find us on letterbox at pixel splitters where you can find all of our top fives, all of our recommendations, all of our everything. Yeah. All that and, good stuff. Um, yeah. We're deep into this episode now. We are. We're real deep in. We need to, we need to. We're deep, deep. Yeah. <laughs> we need to cut the Everybody, pretty soon. We're going to, we're going to bail. Yeah. Uh, go watch a movie. Yes. Knock out that, uh, knock out that Oscars list. Yes. We're getting up there. We're almost there guys. Couple weeks. It's true. That's all you got. It's true. Uh, Parallel Mothers. Five ninety nine on uh, Amazon, as awesome. opposed to the nineteen ninety nine that it was last week. That's what I'm looking for, and I believe Red Rocket is also five ninety nine. So you can Rock check that roll. out as well. There we go. All right, guys. All right. <laughs> Good talking to you, Josh. I will talk to you next week. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody.